Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Changes with me, Annie McManus. This is a real special episode, a first ever Changes Live. You are going to hear the recording of what happened at the London podcast show when I invited Nick Collier, aka the drag beast from Dagenham East herself, Ella of a Day, onto stage in front of our first ever audience. Let's do it. Hi everyone. Hi, hi, hi. It's so good to be. I want to look at all of you and see who comes to a changes live. <laughs> it's the first ever one we've done. It's so great to have you here. I'm really excited. Never really done this before. Host my own live podcast. My performances are normally quite different to this. The audience are a lot more off their heads. <laughs> um, but you never know what will happen tonight, right? So, Changes is a podcast about change. Obviously, change is inevitable. It's going to happen to all of us. And um, the podcast is about how we deal with change. And we've had so many excellent conversations on the podcast so far. And there's a, a kind of pattern, I suppose, to the changes that people talk about. And there's three basic groups, in my experience, of change that, you know, that, that keep cropping up. One is change that happens to you. And a lot of the time, that is... When you're a kid, maybe you move schools or your parents get divorced or something like that. Or it could be a very extreme version, like when we spoke to Grace Spence Green, who was walking through Westfield and a man jumped off a floor, three floors up and landed on her. And she was paralyzed from the chest down and wheelchair bound for the rest of her life. So that's a very extreme version, but it's change that you have no control over. Then the other change is the change that you embrace and you affect yourself. You kind of orchestrate your own upheavals. Um, example of that is Khalees when she came on the podcast and talked about becoming a cordon bleu chef after being a massive pop star and then buying a farm in rural California and deciding to manage it and getting really into tractors. Um, also, uh, Jimmy Carr being a kind of mid-level management guy at Shell and deciding that he wanted to be a stand-up comedian. So those big kind of pivots um, have come up a lot. And then there's the idea of affecting change and um, trying to make a difference in the world, I suppose. So we've had some incredible conversations, a guy called Larch Maxi, who I spoke to, who was in a man-made tunnel under Euston Station when I was talking to him. He was doing this direct action protest against the building of HS2. And he'd been down there for 18 days. He was quite emotional. And there was a lot of tears. But it was real visceral change, you know, making. And it was really powerful conversation. So there's so many different types of change we can speak about. And I think what I love about this podcast is learning from other people's experiences and journeys in just how to navigate life because change, as I said, it's absolutely inevitable. And our guest tonight is 
a person who experienced that first type of change, you know, the change that just how he had no control over. And then he affected change and kind of got himself out of a bit of a sticky situation. And he's incredibly inspiring for that. It is time to introduce our guest for this evening. So his name is Nick Collier. He is a professional dancer, West End performer from Suffolk. He's performed in every single big West End show. I mean, it's, it's easier to name the ones he hasn't been in. He was doing rehearsals for Hairspray when COVID hit and his career collapsed in a matter of days. And what we're going to experience tonight is his story and his journey from then to now. You will probably know him as her, the drag beast from Dagenham East. Please welcome <laughs> Ella Vade! We did, we did think Ella was going to have to catwalk down, so Hello I'm sorry everyone. that didn't happen. Hi, everyone. How's it going? Welcome. Uh, okay, so first thing we should do is pour you a glass of wine. Absolutely. Um, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. Yeah. How are you doing? Looking radiant. Thank you. I did wear false eyelashes for you today. You I don't. Did. I never do that. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> how was that, getting them on? It, it, was, it wasn't great, I'll no, be honest. No, it's really hard, but you get used to it. How long does it take you then from beginning to end in terms of the transformation from Nick to Ella? Uh, make up about an hour and then body about 20 minutes so about an hour and 20 i can do it in about an hour and 20 yeah wow. i think drag race taught me one thing get ready very quickly <laughs> <laughs> don't worry too much about what you look like because it'll work out in the end yeah and um is there something about the process of doing it that's kind of like do you enjoy the process like when you watch you guys do it on them um, drag race it's quite i don't know i quite like watching all the different stages of it yeah no it's uh it's fun sometimes i think um, when you're on tour and stuff, like you literally get to the hotel, for example, yeah. at three, you've got to be out of there by five. You literally get to the hotel and you're just like, oh, here we go again. Get it yeah. on as quickly yeah, yeah. as you can, yeah. as best as you can. Um, sometimes I like to just sit and like listen to music and enjoy doing it, but mm. most of the time I'm doing it out of necessity. So I just yeah. bang it on as quickly as possible. Just whack it on. Yeah. And what is life like for you now? You know, post drag race, you must be so busy. So busy. It's been amazing since leaving the show. The opportunities that I've had have just been insane. Like yeah. I, I would have never got some of the things I've done had I not gone through drag race, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna get to that. There's so much to discuss. And, you know, as I said, this is all about change and the changes you've been through. And we do mostly start as a kid. And I wanted to ask you, uh, when in your kind of childhood did you realize that you had kind of this desire to perform? Or was there a point? There was, there was a time when I was literally, I think, about five years old, I think, and I used to just shuffle my feet around. Yeah. And I used to be like, Mom, 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 I want to go dancing, I want to go dancing. And um, as soon as my mum said, okay, let's go, let's go. I'm going to take you to dancing, and I went, no, I'm not going to go, unless my brother comes as well. I don't know if my brother's here tonight, I think he said he was coming. Is go he here. here? Wave. Is Nick's there brother he is. here? There's my brother. Hey! And um, <laughs> my brother got dragged along too, <laughs> because <Did he> <laughs> I wouldn't go without my brother being there, so... Uh, that's how it got started and I, I just wanted to do tap dancing and we did a bit of ballet. Yeah, so it started quite young and then on and off throughout the years. Yeah, and what was it like for you? So you have your brother and you, you had another... Got younger sister, sister as, well. as well. Yeah, right. she's six years younger than me. So yeah, yeah, we, we just all did dance and it was very much like part of what we did as kids and I think it, it was a great hobby to have like away from school. Yeah. Um, 
dance has always been something I've loved and it's a great way I think if anyone can have a passion or something to escape from the world I think dance is such a great way to do that and what did your mum and dad think of all this oh they didn't care like yeah. I think my mum and dad my dad certainly always did a job he didn't really like so he was always glad for us to do things that we enjoyed yeah and my mum always loved dancing and singing and acting and didn't really have the opportunity to do it as a kid so I think they right. were giving as much as they could you know we're not from any rich family but as much as we could do a hobby they mm. were like yeah do it and you grew up in the countryside, right? Yeah, we grew up in the sticks of Suffolk, like uh, a little village called Hoxton. There was literally right. a post office, a petrol station and a pub, all the peas. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and there was nothing to do. There was there was like sticks and mud and we had chickens and all the animals you can imagine. So it was a real like what rural animals? life. I want to know. So we had at one point, we had two dogs, two cats. Oh, wow. We had a probably about 25 chickens wow uh we had tame pheasants that would come to the window ducks that would fly in every now and then uh rabbit guinea pig chinchillas wow a budgie budgie or two i think the first one died so we replaced it um and were you yeah. involved in these animals were you into yeah, the animals yeah, yeah absolutely i loved i love anything to do with being outside i'm such like a country kid like i used to when i was a really young go around the garden and talk to the the flowers i thought they were telling me to go somewhere no Alas, no no no, no. it didn't T get me anywhere tell me more like ha so you know you get clusters of like snowdrops yeah they were talking to me and they were telling me where to go around the garden so you would go to them and um, was it a direction they were pointing in or was it you just got a vibe off them i'm not allowed to tell you that but <laughs> i'm not sure and i yeah. used to talk to trees i was a very strange child to be honest I, I don't think that's strange just I think creative. that's just got a big imagination uh, we yeah. didn't have iPads we didn't have phones yeah. we barely had so internet so you make your own so fun yeah, yeah. We, we made our own fun and me and my brother used to go around with the stinger nettles and like you know make mazes and all sorts so it was really fun well, so what kind of a kid were you? I was um, obviously I'm the eldest child so I was right. very much <laughs> the trying to trying to do the things and getting told off for them right but also i was kind of just a very artistic mm. kid like very much into just doing things and you know making things and any christmas present would be like a glass painting kit i was right. like very much yeah, yeah. that kid yeah yeah, yeah 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 and what was school like for you then school as as much as i can remember as a young child i think i enjoyed it i think as I got older, like high school, which from year seven, didn't really kind of find mm, the people to fit in with. You know, lunchtime would be spent just sort of like in a hallway, away yeah. uh, <laughs> with just like a few random people. My friends were always qu quite kind of odd, but they weren't really even my vibe. I was just like, can I just hang with you? Yeah, I just <laughs> need <laughs> someone to stand beside. Just need to yeah. spend this hour of lunch with somebody. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we just got by. And then I moved school in year 11, sort of the end of year 10. So hang on, what age does that make so you? So 15 14, 15. Right. So right in between my GCSEs, I moved school, which was pretty tough that's a big that's a big yeah. change okay so your childhood change then is around that isn't it yeah so my childhood change would be my parents divorcing mm. moving county mm. starting gcse's again and auditioning for college ready to leave at 16 so, so a that, lot happened that, that is like 
three huge upheavals mm. when you are changing completely physiologically, hormonally, you know, as a mm. as a kid, and then you've got all this change happening around you. Yeah. So let's break it down. So your parents broke up. How did that change your world? I mean, it was always a thing that was going to happen. And right. uh, I can remember a discussion with my brother saying like, why have they not divorced yet? Okay. Uh, but so you, you know, it. when a, a couple stays together for their kids, they think they're doing the right thing. I don't think it's always the right thing to do. Mm. And it, it became really difficult to be around. And me being the eldest, I felt like I had to be in charge and look after my mum and mm. keep my siblings away from everything. Mm. So I kind of became like in charge of everything. And I kind of now, you know, looking back on it, I I shut away a lot of feelings that I should have gone through myself sure. without feeling for everyone else. Mm. You're too busy trying to protect everyone else. Yeah, very much And that. just put up a front of strength. Yeah, and I still yeah. do it now. It's still my one of my biggest faults, weaknesses, strengths, I don't know what it is, is that I never want to look weak and I always have to be strong. And, I, you know, yeah. and that is something that I still struggle to kind of... Yeah. It's a default, a default it's place. It's a default mode, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's hard. It's hard just to be completely vulnerable. It, mm. it, and especially when you're that age, you don't know how you're feeling half the time, let alone when the world around you is completely turning upside down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was I was a little gay boy, not able to even think about that. I shut that to the back of my brain. I had enough going on. Yeah. You know, I had parents splitting up, moving school, auditioning for college. The last thing I wanted to try and address was my sexuality. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there was, there was just so much going on. But luckily, at the new school, like we had, th the new school was great in Heatherset, Heatherset High School. There was like a mentoring kind of group. Wow. So they could tell I was having a struggle. Yeah. I didn't realise I was, but they, well, they saw were it. basically like, come, yeah. you know, come and have a chat. Yeah. So they kind of helped me through that tough year. Yeah, yeah, when you joined. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like with it, the second day of me being at the school, I was back at home at 10 because I was ill. You know, I right. wasn't really ill. I just didn't want to be there. Yeah. I was like, I'm sick. I need to go home. Yeah. Now. And <laughs> you said you had to start your GCSEs again. Yeah, most of them because the, the syllabus was completely different. So. Oh, my God. I had to start all of my coursework and everything pretty much again. I got out of doing RE and PE, thank God. How? Because I hated them. <laughs> How did you get out of that? <laughs> no, I just said, look, I've got so much work to do. I've always <laughs> been I've always been exactly the same as I am now. So you can imagine when I was 15, I was like, look, I've got a lot of work to catch up on here. I think th probably the best thing to do... Is let me sit this one out. ...is remove me from PE, because I do go dancing every day. <laughs> and RE, not really interested, so... <laughs> and they let me... I managed it. That's remarkable. I'm a jammy git. <laughs> that is what it is. I always have been. But I, I mean, I guess it's a practical decision on their behalf because if you have to start everything again, it's like you need to, yeah, you need to well have yeah, the time. Well, yeah, if they want a good if rating. If they want a good, a good mark. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've, I've always been intelligent, but not that intelligent that I can like literally whip out, you yeah. know, these essays from somewhere. Like Yeah. So moving school not great but also if you weren't happy in the first school we've had people on changes who've really embraced and kind of enjoyed this idea of being able to start again at a new school did it feel like that or was it just a pain no, in the arse no it was awful yeah i hated it so well, so much so why did you hate it 
Um, I left a school where I kind of had a few friends and, right. you know, it was fine. We got on with it. And then I moved school and somebody had just left the school, opening up the place for me to move into. Okay. So instantly everyone was like, oh, you're replacing Ross or whatever his name was. Right. And for the first time ever, everyone knew that I went dancing. And right. I'd never told anyone that I did that before. Yeah, I was yeah. always just going to acting class. Okay. Rather than dancing five nights a week. So everyone knew yeah. my hobby. Instantly I was called like the gay boy, the dancing yeah. queen, all the things I'd never witnessed before. So yeah. instantly I was kind of, you know, the new labeled. Boy. Yeah, yeah. And I was labelled and I was yeah. the the campy gay queen one. Yeah. And I hated it. Yeah. B- yeah. Because at this point you hadn't accepted Oh no no! I or I was like no no I'm straight it's fine you right. know yeah I love Brad Pitt but just as an, yeah. an idol great actor I want to be great him. actor I want to be him not be inside him you yeah. know? <laughs> 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 oh god so so then you auditioned for this college right yeah so I think I must have been fifteen auditioning to go for sixteen so like the next year yeah. so. Auditioned at three different colleges. Didn't get in the first one because yeah. I was too young and too skinny. And eh? then, yeah, What's yeah. that got to do with well, it? Well, that's, uh, wow. that's a certain dance college for you um, where they weigh you. The first thing they do is weigh you. It's like, okay, cool. Oh God, it's that's like you're vibe. an animal or something. Yeah, yeah, literally, Bizarre. livestock. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, I auditioned and got into the, the college I wanted to go to. So yeah. Which was away, obviously, from yes, home. Yes, uh, yeah, it was in, in Sidcup in Kent. So. Right. It was a move away, but I was very much ready to just get on with my life. So yeah, I know I'd moved around a lot, but this was a move for me. Your choice. This was my choice, and mm. this was me getting on mm. with my life. And I was very much ready to train in what I enjoyed doing and get away from it all. So you left home at 16 mm-hmm. and moved there to Sidcup. And where did you live? And what was it like in the college? So the first year I lived with a couple... And another student. And then in the second year, I moved out and lived with friends. And it was just great. It was like, you know, it was around the time of High School Musical 1 coming out. So we're talking a long time ago. And it was very much like having lots of friends that had the same interest. And for the first time ever, I felt like, do you know what? I think I've got my crowd here. Yeah. And even though majority were gay, I still was like, no, but I'm not gay. Right. Which you'd think, going to a musical theatre dance college where everyone is gay, it would be the easiest place to come out. Yeah, to say yeah. But okay. not for me. Yeah. <laughs> and why do you think that is, or was? I, d- I, was, I have always been s- just so desperate, I think definitely as a young person, to not sort of let my, f- my mum or my dad down to... Right. To bring shame upon the family. I know that's yeah. I mean, you're the oldest kid. Yeah, I'm the oldest kid. I'm expected to have kids and get married and sure, you know, keep on the collier gene and all that Mm. stuff. And my thoughts on it was like, well, if I'm gay, I can't do that. You grow up with people saying slurs all the time. You know, yeah. Don't even want to say them, but like poofed over and da 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 da. Look, he's that. Yeah, that's what I grew up with. So in my mind, being gay was really wrong yeah. and really yeah. not something I wanted to do and would really limit my life. Mm, mm. So at what point did you actually come out to yourself as such? I think I left it until I'd left college. So I think I was probably 19. Right. 19 heading towards 20 because I honestly 
couldn't be bothered to come out because I thought I was probably gay by third year, mm. but I couldn't be bothered with the drama of having to tell everyone because yeah. of course you have to come out when you're and gay. And it's, it's so ridiculous that you have to come out. Like yeah, I know. N- even now, the idea of like me sitting down and being like, I need to tell you about <laughs> my sexuality. <laughs> like it's so absurd when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it right? is. It is. But it's such a moment that you have to do. Yeah. And I just couldn't face having to do that at college. So I waited until I had time to go out and be a mess and sure. go to GOY late and it's drink pints wise. of wine. It's very wise. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> that's how I did it. And then I kind of accepted, okay, I think that's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it yeah. took a while. T- it took yeah. ages. Yeah. And then was there a moment of you feeling relief at being able to get it out of your system and tell the people that you loved? Oh, yeah. 100%. It's It's one of those things that you keep in for so many years thinking about every scenario that's going to happen you know uh, your family's going to abandon you everyone's going to hate you yeah and it's just not that way at yeah. all i didn't have one bad reaction from really any of my family i think my mum was a bit shocked but i think it's because i basically went home said i'm gay mic dropped left and <laughs> we didn't even have i didn't let her sort of have a conversation or talk about yeah, it yeah yeah so that's why i think she was a bit upset yeah. and my dad famously found out via twitter right <laughs> <laughs> thanks dad because i said oh dad i've passed my driving test and he said oh i know i saw it on twitter and then i said oh do you know i'm gay then and he went yeah <laughs> and he actually just he just hadn't mentioned so it. That <laughs> that's how i came out to my dad <laughs> Kind of, kind of useful of Twitter in a way. Yeah, cheers, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then you start working, and you know, as I mentioned before, you came on. You've you've done pretty much every big West End musical. Well, um, not really, but well I've done a couple it looks of like them. it when it's yeah. written down. It's 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 incredible. But do you mind um, just walking us through those few days when you were doing the rehearsals for Hairspray and COVID, mm. COVID struck? Oh God, yeah. So I'd I'd been waiting for this job to start for seven months, like after getting the job. And um, we obviously start and they're aware of COVID coming and they're like, right, what we're going to do is we're going to try and get as much done as we can before we get closed down. They had they had a feeling we were going to kind of stop. So, yeah, we did day one. We did nicest kids in town, the hardest routine ever. My body killed after it because I was the oldest kid in town. Believe me. I was the 31-year-old amongst 19-year-olds trying right. to be like, woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that happened. And then the next day we did another thing. We did like a massive singing call and I was on the top tenor line. First day my body killed. Second day, voice Broke, dead. Yeah. Third day we go in, we've done warm-up. Within an hour they're like, okay, we're going to have to go home because someone from the building's gone. And then we we went home basically without any idea of what was going on at mm. all. Mm. Pretty much the whole West End, the whole of the theatre, I guess live, any anyone yeah. that did anything live yeah. was just up in the air. And initially it was like, oh great, we've got six weeks off and we've b- we'll be back and, mm. you know, let's just enjoy this. And then it just, it just never came, I mean, never came back for me, but it was rescheduled to September and then that was scrapped. So yeah, my my life was suddenly just all up in the air. Mm, mm. So what did you do? Well, within a week I was working in Morrison's. Yeah. And I was stacking the booze aisle. 
<laughs> I mean, good for you. Yeah. Because like, you just got stuck in and got another job. Well, yeah, exactly. I've always been like that. I've always been like, well, you know, I will make it work no matter what happens. Mm. You know, I left home at 16 and I was like, I'm going to make this work. Mm. Whatever happens, I'm yeah, never going to. Yeah, so you're enterprising. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to fail. Yeah. You know, I've always been, again, going back to that strong facade thing. I'm like, mm. no one's going to see me fail. Yeah. And I have failed many, many times. But yeah, mm. I was working in Morrison's and it was it was really tough because it was like getting towards the peak of the virus and people were, were walking around with, with no masks on, stepping God. on my feet. Yeah. And I was like, what am I doing here? This mm. is mad. Mm. Yeah. So tell me then the moment you decided to start doing drag. Well, I, I started drag when I joined Mormon in 2017, like right. we, there was like a, this charity drag night called Mad Drag Night, yeah, which was a lot of the, like the West End community would get into drag and raise money for right. charity. So I did that one year, didn't do it again until the next year. And then 2019, I left Mormon and I had no job to go on to. Book of Mormon, great show. If anyone's seen great it, show. Have you seen it? Greatest show in the West End. It's literally... I my favourite. Love it. I loved it. I didn't want to leave, but do you know what? I had to leave because yeah. I was like, I can do something else. Yeah. But it was my favourite show ever. I left that and I was like, I have no job to go on to. Like Catherine Tate said, I can do that. And I was <laughs> like, I can do drag. <laughs> <laughs> I can paint a face and I've got an outfit. Yeah. We can do drag now. So yeah. I just started like putting myself out there and be like, oh, I, I can drag DJ. I can't DJ. <laughs> Honestly, I did. It's easy. <laughs> Don't <tell anyone>. um, <laughs> yeah, so it kind of started t 2019. Did maybe two jobs maximum. Went away and did Joseph in his Technicolor dream coat. And then I did all of the Pride season. That's when I started doing drag. And then I did cabaret stuff. And then 2020 happened. So not a lot. But you had a bit of experience. Yeah, tiny, yeah, tiny yeah, bit. Yeah. Honestly, like yeah. tiny bit. Yeah. So then you're bored and you're at home. You do a Morrison three days a week or something, right? Yes, yeah. 15 and hours maximum a week is all I could take. Right. <laughs> Five hour shifts was yeah. too long. Yeah. <laughs> and I lit I've done every job under the sun when it comes to, you know, hospitality, working in shops, um, any random job. I think I've probably done telesales. Yeah. I've tried to sell you wine at some point, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so drag became my outlet for my creativity during the lockdown mm. because I had nothing else to do apart from sunbathe or go to Morrison's. So <laughs> shelves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just sat and I still do it now. I sit in my bathroom and I straddle the toilet facing the window. Uh -huh. It's not very comfortable. I will tell you mm -hmm. that. And I just started doing drag and um, trying out looks and mm. going on live and just trying to be and present doing like transformations, transformations and like before Tuesday. and afters yeah yeah literally yeah I, I mean you're so like you're just so handsome and so beautiful to look Stop at it, like it's it's honestly I am it's, taken. it's it's unbelievable like it's hard to look away you know when 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 you look at your instagram and you're s just so amazing on camera it's like you're well you are made for it clearly oh thank you that, yeah. that means a lot like i, I try my best that's yeah. all I can say. Yeah. But you must enjoy it. It must be fun. It is a lot of fun. For you to go there because you didn't have to do Like you could have made, you know, banana bread. I could have. But you straddled the toilet. <laughs> Maybe I did. 
<laughs> I mean, you chose to do that, which yeah, is... I chose to straddle the toilet yeah. and do drag. <laughs> and you got a lot of love and interest from that, right? Yeah, it Online. was... I thought I had been hacked because at one point, and I honestly, I did, I thought... I've been hacked because I'm getting 1,000 followers or 2,000 followers a week. And I was like, what's going on? Yeah. And uh, by the time like I was auditioning for Drag Race, I was up to 22,000. And I'd overtaken loads of people that I followed. And I was like, how is this happening? Mm. But it was just that, that madness of 2020, yeah. literally. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so the biggest adult change, now there's a few, but I want to focus on the drag race change because it feels like that has been so monumental to you and mm. your identity as, as Nick as well mm. as Ella. Um, so that experience for you, how will you look back at that experience? It's been such, uh, such a, an interesting and amazing experience since it. You can't ever describe the stress that you go through during different parts of the process, mm. like the stress of making the audition tape, the stress of getting accepted, and then you've got to get ready for it, the stress of going on the show, the stress after the show, mm. when people are bothering you like, hey, do you want to meet up for a coffee? Because <laughs> they've been on Reddit, yeah. So, <laughs> and, then, and then the show plays out. But, you know, the experience was, was so you know, out of this world. Mm. Nothing I could have ever imagined it would be like. What did you learn about yourself doing that experience? Um, I learned that I never give up, uh, but I knew that already, but I yeah. proved it, I think, yeah. doing the show that, you know, I can be faced with something I've never done before. A lot of the challenges on that show, I've never actually even tried to do any of those things, Yeah, you know making an outfit out of like a picnic mat or whatever it was prior to that i'd made one outfit out of stretchy material mm. um a celebrity impression i've never i i don't know any celebrity i mean the nigella lawson is the stuff <laughs> of legend now has everyone seen and heard the ella Day nigella lawson dirty 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 <laughs> it was such a moment and i literally like as you saw on the screen i switched from Mystic Meg to Nigella there and then. Like yeah. some people are like, was that produced? Were you always gonna do that? And I was like, no. I in the background was cutting and styling that wig that I wore. Yeah. 
and had literally about 30 minutes to get ready and on the stage to do it. So it was just such a moment and that really kind of proved my worth as like a, you know, all the things I've done in the last 12, 13 years as an actor and all the random jobs, you know, selling perfume in Harrods. You know, I can talk shit. That is my talent. It's like it's the sum of all of your parts in that moment. Literally. And there it was, you know, in Snatch Game, doing Nigella, talking rubbish, you know, covering the fact that I had no answer when Rue was like, oh, Nigella's still writing. And I was like, oh, I've just thought of another recipe idea. Really, that was me going, what (laughs) other word starts with that letter? (laughs) So I can, you know, it was just such an amazing test of what I can do. And I needed that. I think I needed, after all those years of doing theatre and stuff, you get a bit bored. And I needed that kind of test and that was drag race. Yeah, yeah. Test mentally, physically, everything. Because it's 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 so much more than just, you know, how you look and how you perform. It's t- it's to do with how funny you are, how quick witted you are, yeah. all of that stuff. It's such a yeah, definitely. And I I I think with drag as well, I and life as well. To be honest, I've had agents tell me when I've said oh, I would love to go up for this role, they've said, "Oh, you're too gay for that." And in drag, sometimes people will say, well, "You're not, you're not camp enough. You're not gay enough." So God. sometimes I sit in this balance of like, yeah. "How do I fit into this world?" Yeah. And sometimes within drag, I do feel like, "Where do you want to put me, guys?" Because yeah. people have such a like a, a pre—I don't know what the word is—they have an idea of what a drag queen should be, and sometimes sure. I don't fit into that. Yeah, but yeah. that's why. I'm unique. That's me. And I can't help that. (laughs) I'm I'm a geeky guy that goes to the gym and does Mm. drag, Mm. straddling the toilet, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and like, as you said, you hadn't done drag for that long. Mm. So I'm sure compared to a lot of the other queens in there, you might have felt like a bit of a rookie. Did you have any imposter syndrome when you did it? I I live my life by imposter syndrome. The fact that I'm here with you doing (laughs) this is just like, what am I doing here? (laughs) This is a dream. (laughs) No, I I, I did. Imagine spending a whole year of lockdown, pretty much just you and your partner in your house in Dagenham, you know, working in Morrison's doing drag, and then suddenly you're thrust into a TV studio with 11 other drag queens a load of cameras, a load of production people. It was like, so what am I doing here? Yeah. What have I signed up for? The yeah. first couple of episodes, honestly, I was like, yeah. what have I done? This yeah. is a nightmare. I was, honestly. And and why, did you, because you felt like you didn't belong? It's or you just, couldn't, yeah, like, it's just not what I it's do. It's intense. just not me. Uh, right. Like I, yeah. I do like to challenge myself and put myself up for stuff that scares me, but that was something else yeah yeah that was like jesus what have i got myself in for so but now you have fully embraced drag and you know l of a day as we can see i mean like you're busy you're working what would you say full time is it your full time job as ella yeah so there's no sign of you're comfortable in this place oh 100 percent yeah i've i've or you know i never imagined if we went back five years i could have never imagined that this would be my job but it's just ended up that it is and I absolutely bloody love it yeah it's brilliant and the fact that I can connect with so many people whether it's through screen or social media or hopefully like podcasts like this yeah yeah and share my story Mm. because I think I come to 
drag in such a different way to a lot of people. We all yeah. come to it in a different way. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just never thought I would be doing this. I never thought I was like camp enough. Yeah. Or gay enough. Yeah. Isn't that weird? And it's but it's so mad because you, you the change that you've made from teenage Nick who was in denial about who you were it, deep inside to now being the most <laughs> yeah, I know. like you know <laughs> outwardly you know happy and gay and mm. in drag and it's such an extreme lovely like happy ending. Yeah, it is and I hope if that can inspire anyone if anyone is feeling like they can't come out or anything and then and then you see me go on the telly and almost win a show with all the gays of the land watching it i mean that's something else <laughs> so how like what's it like for you within the gay community now i mean you're great, a fucking I think. superstar yeah i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i don't get the chance to really go out anymore because i'm here there and everywhere and yeah unless i look at my diary i don't know what i'm doing mm. pretty much the next week mm. like but uh yeah that's you're great busy, you're a busy lady i get some amazing messages from people saying like how much i've helped them in some way and like mm. if that's the only thing i can do with with what i do which is essentially putting on a lo load of makeup some hip pads and some tights and if i can inspire someone to you know embrace themselves and that that's good for me job done yeah would you say drag saved you in a way it definitely it i think it did actually i know that's that's a bold statement but yeah. i think during a time of lockdown when there was nothing else for me to do mm. i didn't want to sit there and sing songs or m do tiktok dances because that's just not me sorry mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> drag kind of gave me that outlet that i definitely needed mm. and also it's given me that that new burst of life that i needed because i was starting to feel a bit stale within the work and the audition process of mm. what i was doing so this is you know certainly made my 30s fun yeah good never good. expected this and can i do the really cheesy thing now like they do at the end of um drag race I, I don't have a photo but you know they show you a photo oh yeah what oh would God. you say to yeah so but but like what what would you say to teenage nick now having done drag race and got this life off the back of it what would you say God. to teenage nick teenage nick was so mixed up like he thought he was so strong. Pretty much what I said on the show, I'd just be like, you don't always have to be the strong one. You don't always have to be perfect or strive. And, you know, striving to be the best is, is great, but you don't always have to be the best. Yeah, yeah. And show your weakness now and then because mm. people will get to know you quicker. Mm. <laughs> and what do, you, what do your parents think now of Ella Day? I love it. My yeah. my mum my mum Donna is is going through cancer treatment. She's got oh breast no. cancer, so she's I'm so sorry. No, she's good. She's yeah. she's nearly finished her chemo. Right. And Drag Race really pulled her through it. Like she got the diagnosis in October. Yeah. And she got to watch Drag Race to kind of distract her. So she was there at the finale when I didn't win, and <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I didn't want to win anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And she was there. I basically invited her every week that I won a badge. So she was there four times. Oh, wow. Uh, she brought you I didn't you tell luck. her, but I think she guessed by the fourth yeah, one. Yeah, she right, was like, okay. I think, yeah, I think yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> and my dad, yeah, my dad has embraced it as well. I think he 
was taking something to the post office and he was a bit late and the post office person was like, oh my God, you're Ella the Day's dad. That's fine, come through. Oh my so God, so we got the VIP treatment. So my treatment. dad is getting the VIP treatment as well. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, okay, well listen, we're going to throw out this to um, to you guys now in mm. case anyone has any questions. First of all, can I just give you a clap please, Nick? Because oh, thank that you so much. Thank you, babe. Thank you for having Such me. Such a nice combo. So, yeah, I like that. Big old wolf whistle. So if anyone, and please don't be shy, um, if anyone has any questions at all, Louise is your girl. Hello. Hello. Hi. You sort of talked about that you came to drag very differently to a lot of drag queens. And there's a conversation around, oh, they're not real drag queens because it isn't in their core. They didn't, you know, you kind of found it later in life, I guess, is the way to sort of place it. And... I just wondered how you deal with that critique fr from your own community, really, from some other drag queens and people saying it's not real um, because of how you how you came there, which is quite different to a lot of the drag queens yeah. that come on the show. Um, I mean, why is there a set way to get into drag is my first question. Like, is there a, an age limit that you've meant to start <laughs> at? Is the fact that I started at 30... No, sorry, you're too old. <laughs> Like, what is that it's about? It's drag purists, um, isn't it? Listen, s I get so much flack from so many people. Like, people are not going to like me, and that's fine. That happens, you know, I've been to so many castings over the years for musicals that I've not got, shows, films, TV shows, and I kind of get used to people saying no. So when someone says, well, you're not a drag queen because you started at 32, and that's too old, or, like, you've done musical theatre, so therefore you're too trained, you're over-trained to be a drag queen. I'm like, what? Come on. Yeah. Uh, like, who's the boss? Like, I'm doing my thing, and people like what I do, I think, I hope, and uh, I'm just going to carry on doing it, because at the end of the day, I only started doing it because I enjoy doing it, and that's what drag should be, in my opinion, mm. an outlet for creativity. And maybe I would have started it earlier, had I had the opportunity to do it or if I felt more comfortable to do it. So, so yeah, the way of dealing it for me is to just try and brush it off. Easier said than done sometimes. Mm. I mean, you mentioned before we went out some horrible stuff that you get on Twitter and stuff. How do you deal with that stuff? Is there good days and bad days? As you say, you've obviously been trained. That's an actor's job is to be able to be rejected and get yeah. up the next day. Yeah. So is that part of it, do you think? Unfortunately, yeah, it is. Yeah. You're expected to accept these troll comments you know like the example i told you where mm. someone just dm'd me and said something like disgusting commit suicide and it's like wow okay i was just talking about driving but fine <laughs> please <laughs> please can you tell them this person's profile details because oh it's, yeah, it's so just that you need the full context they apparently study law they're trans and they are interested in human rights <laughs> human rights law great so i'm like great um, but yeah, it, it's it's something you have to try and deal with and people try and put out this perception of you which isn't correct or they forget that you're actually a human mm. and you don't always have, mm. you can't always be like, hey, how are you? Of course, yeah. yes. Yeah. You know, because sometimes you have a shit day. You don't know of what course. you've been through. Mm. You know, even now I've got so much going on with my family that, mm. you know, mm. You you can't expect people to just always be on yeah. because yeah. 
at the end of the day, I'm a human just like the person telling me to commit suicide. Mm. And just imagine if I wasn't in a in a good happy place. in a good yeah. place. Mm. Terrible. I mean, but you are, which is wonderful. I mean, I, I, and I'm saying that I'm not telling you that, obviously, but you you seem to have a very happy relationship oh and yeah. you've got a nice, secure, stable. Yeah, I'm so thankful yeah. I do because yeah. I don't think I would get through all of these things, all this pressure that I feel yeah. having done the show, having got to the top with the most wins but not won and then you get all the things of, well, you didn't win because of this. I was like, oh, do you know what, <laughs> Sarah? I don't need your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need your opinion. Didn't ask for it. Didn't <laughs> like my dress anyway, so go away. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's just one of those things, and I think it's an age thing as well. You know, I'm 33, and a lot of the people that watch the show mm. that do these stupid comments are mainly teenagers, no and kids, yeah, I just can't be bothered with it. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Get a life. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, you know what I mean. I You're obsessed it. with me, yeah. and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, more questions. That was a wonderful question, by the way. Thank you. Thank for that. you. Um, okay. Hi. Um, hello. Um, we've talked um, at the beginning about the different types of change and that you had change forced on you and then you've had change that you've embraced and taken the power over. And I just wondered for you, of the, all the changes throughout your life, which you feel has had the most impact, lasting impact or where you gained the most strength or through which challenges did you grow the most through? Mm. Great question. Fabulous question. Do um, you want to swap places? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I think probably the most lasting impact on me would be the stuff that happened when I was young because it wasn't really my choice as such. So, again, there was a choice. I wanted to go away to college at 16. That was me. I was like, I don't want to do A-levels. I want to be a performer. And... I think for me, I've always been so determined as a person to make things happen. Like if I say I'm going to do something and I really want to do it, I will do it. Like I said, I'm going to I'm going to audition for Drag Race. I did it. I really wanted to do Book of Mormon and I did it. So, yeah, I think probably being younger probably forced me to do certain things I didn't want to do, but also... I chose to do things. So I think essentially that's made me who I am and I would be so much, so different had I not had that moment in time, I think. And I really was a strong person getting through all that stuff. Mm. I don't even know how I got through it sometimes. Well, I can imagine looking back. It's so it's intense. It's a lot to deal with. So like th we, we've had people on the podcast that have changed schools as kids and that's been their entire most big impact change in their life and you had that along with your parents and moving away to london and at sexuality you're still a child yeah and like sexuality moving away from home divorce yeah like yeah. there was so much going on and i think we always forget you know anyone that's in the lgbtq plus community yeah you forget just how much trauma you go through as a kid and it mm. kind of just gets brushed off mm. but you know, young people and, you know, even into older, you go through so much torment in your brain, mm. which is never really mentioned. And it really is such a horrible time to go through. And you feel so alone. Yeah. And I, what I hope is that doing a show like Drag Race will just, I feel like hopefully younger people will now have access to 
stories that have been through that and realize actually you're not the only person yeah, going through this because yeah, i didn't yeah. have that yeah but if you'd been a teenager and you'd been able to see drag race and see these queens talking about their childhoods and reflecting stories that you know of your life mm. it might have made you i think it would have i yeah. think when i was a kid the only gay people on telly i can think of were just like stereotypical yeah gay people there mm -hmm. was no like real like really overly camp and yeah it like was just yeah. you know yeah just overly camp people mm. and that was like oh no i don't want to be like that mm. it's yeah there's no odd. nuance yeah yeah yeah, Whereas yeah. now I think you've seen that, you know, gay people can do everything that everybody does and there's there's no limit to what a, you know, a queer person can do now. Mm, and mm. there wasn't that back then. It was very taboo. Mm, mm. I think same with drag, with drag culture as well. It's become so mainstream, hasn't it, in the oh, last kind of 20 definitely. years that, of course, there's, al there's always going to be nuances. There's always going to be different subcultures within drag, yeah, which definitely. is what makes it even more exciting. Yeah. Um, okay. Hello. Hi. Hello. Um, just want to say thank you, first of all. Um, but I know you mentioned, Ella, that maybe if you had felt more comfortable as a child, what can we do in day-to-day -day life to make kids and adults and just everyone feel a lot more comfortable to be openly themselves? Mm, ban religion. <laughs> that would be a great start, yeah. Get the Tories out. Um. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> um, I, I think it starts at home, it really does. And I think you've got to, it, slurs are a terrible thing. And when I was a kid, to call someone a pufter or uh, a shirtlifter or any, all of those mm. other gross things was just commonplace. I think asking a kid if they've got a girlfriend at school is one of the, the things you forget, oh, actually, what if my child is confused already? Because I can remember being young and my mum asking me, oh, have you got a girlfriend? Have you seen any girls? Mm. And I'm already thinking, oh, that feels weird. I don't mm. like girls. Yeah. But didn't want to say it, you know. I think just just being open and not, not putting pressure onto young people to, to assign themselves to a gender or a sexuality. It's such, it's such a new world that we live in, I think, where everyone can be openly themselves and you don't even have to decide who you are you, and i think that's great what a mm. nicer place we're in we're not there yet we've still got the government banning trans conversion therapy you know mm. which is awful mm. so yeah there's a lot a lot of work to do yeah we had travis alabanza on the podcast um who was absolutely incredible on on all of that gender fluidity and and stuff um but talking about the home stuff, like just as a mom, there's so much conditioning that goes on. That's that's kind of part of your own upbringing that you don't even realize until you have kids. And th there's this kind of assumption that if someone is a boy or a girl, that they're gonna like certain things and behave certain ways and act in a certain way. And, and it's quite, w when you kind of zoom out and look at how people treat your kids, in my case, because they're boys, it's it's fascinating. And for instance, my youngest kid, Riley, he like his favorite color was pink. The entire his whole life adored pink. As soon as he went to school, oh no, boys don't like pink. 
Like, yeah. that can fucking do like Bing. Who's teaching you this? <laughs> and it's and like, there's, you know, it, it's out of your control. Yeah, you can't totally. do anything about it. And he's, you know, I actually had a conversation with him yesterday uh, today about um, girls and boys. He's really interested in the girls and the difference between girls and boys and what makes you a girl. And I was like, you don't have to be a girl or a boy. You can be something in the middle. And he yeah. was like, well, that's really? amazing. And that's like, the yeah, way to do it. Can. Yeah. So yeah. It's, yeah. But I think it, it, it's sometimes it's even as a parent, it's not always in your control because it's the systems as well so mm. it's, it's hard yeah i've got to say like growing up my mum and dad were great because you know i wanted to dance i i think my sister was born or something and we got a present each i wanted a doll i had like a baby so you would have been six and you wanted a doll something like yeah. that yeah i had a doll my brother had like a train set or something like typical boy stuff yeah and i always wanted girl stuff yeah and they just they were fine with it but yeah it makes me wonder as i got older why didn't they think oh maybe he could be gay yeah 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 <laughs> but even but even we call it girl stuff yeah, and it's yeah. just well, stuff. exactly yeah, yeah. it's just stuff yeah, yeah but i wanted there was like these cupcake dolls where you fold it up and it looked like a cupcake and it smelled of cupcakes amazing who wouldn't want that and i wanted one because rebecca down the road had one yeah and i, I don't think i got one but i yeah. wanted rebecca's cupcake princess yeah i didn't get it shame I wonder if they're still on sale. Could you get on eBay now? I bet Rebecca. I wish I could just present it to you now (laughs) as the grand finale of the the show. Um, Right, we're going to take one more question and that is from this gentleman at the front, please, Louise. Hi, Ella. Thank you for talking through your changes in life. It was really, really inspiring to hear. Um, Annie, I have a question for you. Um, just hey, one Irish man to one Irish woman. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I've been listening for like a while now, and I, the first one I listened to was Khalees, and I listened to Roddy Doyle this morning on the tube. It was Thank both you. fascinating like yeah. conversations. The concept of changes, where did this come from, and where did this kind of obsession, I suppose, is that too much to call it, of changes come from? I think it came it came out of a brainstorm um, and it was kind of floated as an idea. And I think the reason why I gravitated to it immediately, I now looking back is really apparent because I was going into this quite intense period of change for myself where suddenly everything I'd been doing just felt a little bit claustrophobic and I wanted to to kind of break out and try new things and learn new things and have the time and space to do that. So the idea of doing a podcast about change was was actually so perfect in terms of timing for me trying to navigate how I was going to change my career um, and do do the pivot that I've that I've kind of done I think um, to being a writer and, and more of a podcaster. So it was that it was kind of it was it was a few people talking thinking about something. I think with podcasting, you want to have a theme that is universal and has real longevity. You know where you can do so many series and there's never enough time to talk about it. And I think change is so good um, in terms of that theme. The more I thought about it, the more it made sense. Um, and having done changes and being on series four now, I have changed my career completely. So I hope that you guys tonight, after leaving, at least 30% of you will start doing drag upon <laughs> leaving. I hope yeah. so. <laughs> Especially if you're after, uh, over 30. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's never too late. 42, yeah, 42 go 42, on, girl. love it, love it. <laughs> But yeah, change is good. Let's all embrace change. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. Thank you for being here. And thank you most of all to our incredible guest, 
I love a day. Oh, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Annie. Well, I loved that. Thank you to everyone who came down. It was so good to see people in real life that listen to this podcast, to see actual faces and to hear those questions that were so considered and well thought through from the audience as well. It was such a buzz. It felt so natural and nice to do that live podcast. And thank you so much to Nick Collier as well, who I thought was just such a brilliant guest, so honest and unafraid of the kind of sad, raw stuff whilst also being so brilliantly funny and entertaining at the same time. It's a hard line to tread that and uh, yeah, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. So we're looking to do more live shows. Keep your ears and eyes peeled for us announcing that in the future. It would always be wonderful to have you along. But next week we have the first of two podcasts that we are broadcasting up to and around the infamous and legendary Glastonbury Festival. So we wanted to speak to an artist who was playing at Glastonbury and it was my perfect time to approach Roisin Murphy, the Irish singer, songwriter, fashionista, absolute cultural icon, uh, who I'm such a fan of, um, and she said yes. So you are going to hear this conversation that we had next week on the show. Roisin Murphy, the Irish legend on Changes. Changes is produced by Louise Mason through DIN Productions. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow, subscribe to Changes if you haven't already, and I will see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.